Welcome back to the Why Not Us podcast. Here we are. Yeah, it's my good friend Mike McGowan. My name is Carter Kramer. Um, thank you for joining us. We have our second guest. Yes. It's, an, it's a great, it's my mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A rose between two thorns. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so this is my mom, Cindy Raker. Um, and today we've got an interesting set of topics that I really thought you would be a good person to, to bring on to the podcast and just to talk about some of your experience. All right. Um, Mike and I both have tried to pick out topics that to us are maybe somewhat controversial or kind of looked at from two different sides where we feel like there's people making us feel like it's really far apart or there's, and I think what we find is that that's not real. You know, there's, I agree. there's, there's a, I agree. a much closer tight knit yeah. group to the middle of a lot of these discussions, but yes. people are afraid to talk about it. So right. um, today we're going to talk about something that you were, well, let's, I guess, first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and why, you know, we we're, today we're going to talk about things like assisted suicide, about healthcare uh, for elderly folks in the United States and kind of what that looks like. So tell us a little bit about your background so people can okay. understand why we asked you to join us today. Okay, I'm a registered nurse. I've been a nurse for nearly 40 years. Um, I started my career in the hospital and I um, spent many, many years of my career um, serving the elderly population um, in nursing homes, assisted livings, um, skilled care. And so um, that's that's who I am and what I've done. Yeah, yeah, I know that's been, <laughs> I mean. And, and you managed to raise that one. So. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> she did great, man. What are you talking about? She did great. Yeah. Um, okay, and, and, you know, I think that's important for people to understand because one of the things that was important to Mike and I, you know, through these first podcasts, it was a lot of Mike and I talking about, you know, it wasn't firsthand experience necessarily. Right. It was through our contacts, through people we know yeah. that yep. had firsthand yeah. experience and we've tried to portray some of those things, but I think it's so much more effective to have somebody that's actually been sure. boots on the ground, right? Sure. No sure. matter what we're talking about. Yeah. So, Correct. Sure. Um, go ahead, Mike. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wanted to just get into, you know, a lot of people don't know, you know, what that elderly care looks like. I mean, you, you picture it in your head, you think nursing home. Right. Yes. We're going to shove mom or we're going to shove dad into a, or, or grandpa or grandma into a, into a nursing home. Right. But in the research that I've done, there's a lot of different levels. There are. Right. There's assisted. There's there's step your step facilities where you go right. from, you know, like living on your own in an apartment to like, with occasional help all the way through right. a long term care scenario. Correct. Then there's assisted living facilities. There's home health care. Right. There's hospice. There's all kinds of stuff. So can you take us through kind of that that mm -hmm. that landscape, what kind of what it looks like? I can. I think it's changed a lot in the past um, 15 years, okay. 10 years, maybe. Okay. You see a lot of campuses now. Okay. And that's what you're speaking of, where they go into an apartment, an independent apartment. And then as they need more help, they go into on the same campus and assisted living. And then on the same campus many times is a nursing home that also does skilled care, which skilled care is the care that is given um, when someone comes out of the hospital typically and is Medicare reimbursed. Okay. So mom, uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, what are, I think there's a, a part of what we want to do here is kind of help people to understand mm -hmm. these types of situations, you know, before, as they're getting into them that are maybe afraid to ask for help. And I think this is a really difficult decision and a really difficult process for a lot of people that are dealing with loved ones of how do I, how do I, yeah. what's the right decision, right? So. In your opinion, what should people be thinking about when they're thinking about that transition from someone living at home to some some assisted care at some level? You know, what are the boxes that they should be checking before they kind of make those decisions in your in your mind? Well, I think the number one box is if the person is at home, are they still safe? Okay, sure. Um, safety is number one, and I I didn't add this, but as Carter knows, I I care for my elderly father who's ninety three. Yeah, my grandpa. So, and he is living at home, okay. but he lives right next door to me. Gotcha. So I think if someone is going to stay in the home, safety has to be evaluated routinely. Absolutely. Because in the elderly population, their condition can change very quickly, especially if they're having any medical issues like TIAs, which are small strokes, or um, if they have some dementia that's progressing. And so I think safety is number one if you're going to keep someone in the home. I think ideally every elderly person, if you asked them, would want to stay in their home. Sure. Now, there are a few elderly people that like the socialization of being in um, uh, a campus, campus where they have where they have socialization. But many, many elderly, their home is their comfort place like it is for all of us. So right. I think for many people, they want to stay in their home once they are evaluated as not being safe anymore. That's the time to have the conversation. 
um, to move into something where there's more assistance or at least supervision. Isn't there probably a lot of, there's probably a lot of pushback from the individual themselves to leave the home. Cause, cause if you think about, if you go back generations and, and, a, mm-hmm. and a, a century, right? It was, yeah. there was no such thing as facilities. There right. were no campuses. So guess what? When, when mom or dad or when grandpa or grandma came, be, when they got old and they were infirmed is the wrong word, but you know, they, yeah. they, they need, yes. they need yes. assistance, right? Yeah. It was in the home. And it was with right. the next two or three or four, sometimes generations of people. Yeah. And, and they took care of that person. And then, and then, so that is kind of like in our DNA to some, to some respect. Right. So is there yeah. pushback to, from, from the individual to, to go to a facility? How, how does that dynamic work? Well, sadly, what I see many times is the conversation is had around the elderly person and not uh, with them. Uh, <laughs> I uh. see families making decisions, um, for a person that still should be making some decisions themselves. So I think it's important as people make that decision to involve the person involved. I I see so many times the elderly are talked around. Do you know what I mean? Can I I dive into that further? Do you think that is on purpose? Like, do you think that is like out of selfishness or do you think that's like out of misunderstanding that those people should be involved in the conversation or probably some of both? I I, I think some of both. I think misunderstanding. I think, I think too many people treat the elderly like children. Yeah, I I am a very firm believer that any elderly person should make their own health care decisions as long as they're able. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had that conversation with you about my own father. Absolutely. So, yeah. And you've um, done a great job of and allowing he will him make to do his that. own decisions. And I hope forever. Um, but there are extenuating circumstances where there's dementia involved and that person can no longer make a safe decision. Um, and so is there pushback sometimes? And sometimes I see families do it for their own selfishness or their own, we don't want to be bothered. Right. See, their, own con, a, their own convenience. Their ease, convenience. I've yeah. seen yeah. a lot of dynamics over the last nearly 40 years. can only imagine. I've yeah. seen families that are very loving and would do anything for their parents to put them in a good situation. But I've also seen the opposite where families don't want to be bothered. Um, let's out of sight, out of mind. You know, sometimes I, I was in a situation, I mean, many times where families drop people off to live in a nursing home and I never saw them again. <laughs> You know, so we've got every end of the spectrum okay. in our business. Yeah, um, I, I think that it's important mm-hmm. to, to bring up the fact, Mike, because we talk about this a lot. It, it's it's hard to make that statement and and still remember that, like, we don't understand everyone's circumstances. And maybe there That's was correct. a dynamic between the parents and the child that caused that, yes. that heart and ache seen, or, you know. I've seen that. Yeah. I've seen that. Um, That's unfortunate because, you know, I I know for you and I specifically, like we've had difficult times in our relationship, right? There was a time where you and I didn't communicate much. We didn't didn't see things on the same, you know, spectrum. And I just want you to know, I'm so grateful that you and I have kind of overcome that. And I think that's an important part of this discussion for people to understand as parents get older, knowing that, look, we all make mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. I've done a lot of stupid things. But you can move past that. I've right? never done anything stupid <laughs> <laughs> in my whole life. Yeah, right. Yeah. In my no, whole but, life. but you know what I mean. I, you guys, I think that's no, really that's unfortunate true. when you see it people is. get all the way down to that point of there's very limited time yeah. left and people haven't reconciled the some of those are differences yeah. because of, of right. pride or ego or stubbornness or whatever that's right. attributed to. You know, yeah. take that's that true. step to to re- make those connections with right. with family. Right. Well, and I think as a healthcare provider myself and being in the healthcare business, we don't always communicate well with families about, you know, and I'm, it's funny as we're having this conversation, I'm thinking of specific people in my past patients. Sure. But, you know, for instance, you may have um, a patient who had a brain tumor and acted horribly towards their family without knowing they were sick. And Ah. then found out later it was a brain tumor causing it. Meantime, the divorce has happened. The children have been Mm. alienated and so on. And those people die alone because they've been alienated from the family when, in fact, it was a a medical condition. And 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 this isn't actually a true story. So um, I think uh, I think there are so many dynamics in healthcare, And as people age and you're right with family dynamics. So I think getting someone into the proper level of care. and then, of course, as we don't want to talk about, there's finances involved. Sure. Healthcare yeah. is expensive. Sure, it is. And um, many, many assisted livings don't take um, 
state aid, so they don't take Medicaid, many of them. They're looking for long-term care insurance or so, some some financing of other, yes, of other means. Yes, private pay. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So you have many, many assisted livings that are private pay only. And so you've got that factor that keys in as well. So some people may have to skip the assisted living stage, which may be more appropriate mm-hmm. to get into it and go into a nursing home because Medicaid will cover a nursing home where it won't cover uh, assisted living. So does that make sense? It absolutely, it absolutely does. So, but talk a little bit about home health care because there's a lot, of, a lot of situations where maybe I, and you have to school us on this, but maybe you can have someone coming to the house a couple hours a day and the person's a lot, the individual's allowed to stay in the family home and interact and not alienate other family members. But there's help there that doesn't necessarily burden the, the, the or, or be contingent on the, 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 the children or the grandchildren. And there's some respite for those people as well, because someone's coming in for four hours a day, something like that. Right. And I, I'm a big proponent for home health. I mean, again, as I'm getting older myself, I, you think more in terms of, (laughs) this is going to be me pretty soon. Um, but home health is a wonderful option for some people. Now for Medicare to cover home health, there have to, there has to be certain criteria met. They need to, Mm -hmm. you know, need a skilled service or, or, um, they have to meet certain criteria. So again, sometimes you're, you're buying home health with private pay money, but it's a, it's a wonderful use of your money. It's, it's, I think, I think it's, it's cheaper than, you know, paying for a nursing home and that person's in their own setting. And I think even when there's a little dementia involved, which many, many people, when they get to an elderly, um, to the elderly stage, they might have an early dementia, but still be able to function very well in their own environment. If you pick that person up and move them, mm-hmm. that dementia is going to, you're going to see a whole nother level of that. Yeah. That's interesting You're as taking well. them out of their I, I, environment. Well, yeah. I mean, look at, yeah, look at your dad, your grandfather. I yeah. mean, he's yes. right next door. Yes. I, I look at that through almost like the lens of it's home healthcare because you are yes. trained, yes. professional, yes. certified. And he's done beautifully. Absolutely. And absolutely, man. The, the, the thing that is just to me is fantastic is, I've been able to watch. He's maintained very sound mind, and yes. he's a, he's a. I mean, he's a fantastic individual. Still, you know, just still has I, quality I can still of life. sit and have a great Good. conversation yeah. with my grandfather. And I, I wonder many times if his situation had been different, would oh. that still be the case at the age of ninety three? Right, yeah. right, correct. That's a big change. I mean, I hate change, correct. right? And yes. so imagine when you've been even more. And, and I think too, Grandpa's an example of someone who you know he went through a loss. You know, my grandmother, your mother passed away. Right. What is 11, 12 years ago now? Right, right? twelve years. Twelve mm-hmm. years ago. So. Yeah you know, he's been through some of that trauma and he's had to deal with some of that. And then you being willing to allow him to make some of his own decisions versus like you said, people working outside of the person themselves, right? That, that mixed in with all that additional trauma has got to be hard on, on those people. I mean, it has to be. Yes. And, and whenever you, um, move someone out of their environment, because many times dementia people cope by repetitive, you know, this is where my things are. This is routine. There you go. Repetitive motion. So, when you pick somebody up and take them into a different environment, you're going to see that dementia advance, or at least the symptoms of that de- dementia advance very quickly. Usually, I mean, it's 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 really strange. Even a dementia patient going to the hospital will get extremely confused because they're out of their environment. Gotcha. Sure. So, yeah, I, I I love home health. I love it as an option for people. Um, I love that you're seeing more and more home health agencies. Mm-hmm. I think around where that have been wonderful as far as, and you can purchase different services th- from them. You can mm-hmm. purchase some housekeeping services that aren't going to be covered by Medicare, but for a very good fee, I mean, a great fee, you can have maybe their house cleaned every other week, or you can have some meal prep done. Um, Those are good options for a pretty um, nominal fee, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and and now this day and age, there's so many pre-prepped meals and things like that, that you can purchase for that person if they're not cooking or um, so home health, a wonderful option. Okay. Yeah, yes. that's good. So, so I know I know we want to move along to yeah, the, I want to get the down big, into the, the bigger meat, I know. into the big into but, the good stuff. But, but <laughs> if you, if you don't mind, just one more one more kind of bit of information for us yeah. in the audience, and that's kind of end of life care yes. hospice. Uh-huh. Um, and, and from what I understand and what I read, it's it's more just to make them comfortable. Right. And there's four stages of it. And can you talk through some of that before we get to like, it's time to make a decision? I feel like you touched a nerve. I just saw the the, the facial expression change. <laughs> go, go. <laughs> you know me way too well. I, yeah, I saw it right away. Um, I think hospice has a time and a place. Okay. 
I think hospice in the home is probably probably sometimes a good service for people. I think hospice when you get into nursing home care because I I did a lot of consulting in nursing homes. You have registered nurses around the clock in a nursing home or at least nurse, licensed nurses around the clock. Mm-hmm. So when you add a hospice step into that, when you already have nurses, to the nurses on the floor that that can become a stumbling block. So we can't do anything without checking with hospice now. Mm. Okay. So that's the way that works. Once they're on hospice. Um, so uh, forgive me for yeah. the interruption, but does that mean someone else is calling the shots? Yes. Okay. I, 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 I didn't, didn't know, know that, that either. Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. Okay. And hospice is a Medicare reimbursed service. Okay. So this person might be in a nursing home. They might go on hospice. And I'm just going to give you like a what if. What if they fall and break their hip? And then you call the hospice person because that's the person now that is getting Medicare reimbursement. They're going to tell you what they want to do with that. Okay. Mm. So that nurse on the floor now has their hands. Normally that nurse has to call the doctor. We're going to send them out. We're going to get an x-ray. Now that, that could become a, a, an issue if they're a hospice patient. Nonetheless, there's conflict. Well, 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 and, and I mean, you don't want there to be conflict, but I, I do know that for nurses on the floor, I've seen times when the nurses do feel like something needs to be done and and their hands are a little bit tied till hospice steps. I, I, that, so. just, I, that seems to me, I'm just an outsider, but that, that seems to me like that's a break in the system. Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's not supposed to be, and and uh, but... I do know as, as nurses on the floor, and I've been a nurse on a, on a floor, I've been a nurse in a hospital, I've been a nurse on the floor in a nursing home. Um, I think I think there's, like I said, I think there's a great time and place for hospice. I think you just have to evaluate what are you getting from, ho- what are you getting from hospice that the nurses on the floor can't do? Right. Okay, so that's what I always ask myself. Okay. So if this person is truly, truly end of life, and there are some, there are some rules with hospice. It used to be they had to be terminal estimated within six months, you know, approximately life's terminal within six months. But there are things they can put them on hospice now that go on and on. I mean, I've known people on hospice for two or three years. Wow. Okay. So, and so things have changed. And so there is a time and a place. Now, that's different than if you have a child with cancer and you're trying to keep that child home. You might need hospice care, 100%. Um, but when you have licensed nurses on staff, I've, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I always have to ask myself, what can they do that our nurses can't do? It's fair, right? Okay. It's so very fair. That, that's a good I, I'm question. Glad you brought, I'm glad you brought up the the hospice, you know, Medicare, Medicaid thing, because we've talked a lot about how the healthcare system, unfortunately, has changed as we've gotten into this really heavily mm-hmm. insurance-driven healthcare coding. situation, yes. coding, all coding. Yes. you know, all these things 100%. to get paid. And yeah. all of a sudden, it's become more about how to yeah. work your way through the system and all the red tape than it is about the patient's care, I think, in a lot of times. And that's not just in well, nursing and, homes no, or in insurance hospice. Companies it's uh, healthcare-wide, I think, our... right? <laughs> yeah. they, they are, right? Yeah. And, 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 and Ask any doctor. <laughs> they're, also, they're also the ones that are, they're the ones that are making the policies, right? They're the ones that are writing the in policies ca- and pushing them through the lobbyists cases. and the government and in many cases. That's yeah. really unfortunate because mm-hmm. now we're taking away these these really capable healthcare mm-hmm. providers and individuals and doctors and nurses that are actually hands-on people and they've been removed from the conversation of what should the policies be? Yeah. What should the guidelines be? What are these boxes we should check before somebody has to go? And, and who's, and who's, ma- well, who's making that. the guideline? An MD who's on who's on the payroll of the insurance company. That's right. So He's making what? the recommendations, the, right? The influence comes down from where? I mean, the, I think... I think I've seen hospice, and, and I will tell you, there's a big variation in different hospices. I've seen hospice nurses that are absolutely excellent, excellent, and come in and really do what I would probably do myself. And I've seen, um, you know, some a lot of liberal medication usage um, with some, but that's individual nurses, not mm-hmm. necessarily, or, or maybe one hospice is more. So I think there's such a variation in hospice care sure. right now. So, And I've never worked for hospice, so I'm not... Um, I, I've worked with nurses that were hospice nurses and they were fantastic nurses, but I just think you've got to be careful and ask yourself, can they provide something that the other nurses in that building can't provide? Yeah. 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 And it sounds like something you don't want to jump to conclusions with based on that. I think you need to evaluate it. Yeah. 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 So, so like everything else, and I'm going to turn it over to you here in a second, but like everything else, it has to be evaluated, you know, the individual, not around them, not, you know, the individual themselves. And so that's correct. And and I think that's, yeah, I think that's a huge point that, uh, 
people assume that they're they they need to make all these decisions on behalf of someone. I think a lot of that again is probably good yeah. intention. Say we want to help or sure. whatever the case. Not necessarily malicious, right? No, in, in all cases, I, I agree. Right? But uh, you know, don't don't count people but out they're when they're children. still there and able to make decisions. They're not children. That's right. And and I think um, in many cases. Again, they can have a little bit of dimension, still know what they want for themselves, especially with the, their end of life. And I've told you a hundred times, I will never step in and make a healthcare decision for my father as long as he's able to do it. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that is so incredible. We all deserve that, right? If we are able, we deserve to make our decisions. Yeah. And he's in a fortunate situation because if he so. does lose that ability or he gives up that ability to make those decisions, he's got a capable person available to him to help him through that well, process where a lot wants. of people don't. And I know what he wants. Yeah. He's, he's told me. Yeah. Over a lot of people don't. Over and over yeah, that brings up another great point of making sure that again you have those conversations yes. and you have those conversations while you can have those you conversations and, and you... understand what people want yes. before you go making these decisions yes. out in front of someone without their yes. involvement. I think that's very that's common. Unfortunately, that's right. And Agreed. you pick your power of attorney for healthcare carefully. Yes, because you want that power of attorney for healthcare to enforce your wishes when you're no longer able to, because that only kicks yeah. in when you're no longer able. A guardianship, they make all your decisions. That's court appointed. But when you've got a power of attorney for healthcare, that only kicks in when that person can't make a decision. So you wanna pick that person that aligns with you, that says, um, and, and again, I've seen problems with this. I've seen people refuse and refuse and refuse an amputation. And then when they're no longer, they're septic and they're no longer able to make that decision, the power of attorney steps in and has that amputation done. Okay, you don't want that. You right. want to pick that person that promises you they will do, they know what you want and they're going to do what you want. Well, it right? goes back to uh, saying, we got to have these conversations. Right. You know, these yeah. are hard conversations. These 100%. are difficult conversations. Yes. It's emotional. Yes. It's things that people don't want to talk about. Yeah. It's so important because if you really truly want to help somebody to fulfill their wishes, right. how do you do that if you don't understand or you That's don't right. talk about it? That's right. You have to abide. You have to pick that person carefully. Yeah. And yeah. as we get into the assisted, well, yeah, let's do it. We'll do Go that ahead. because I think that therein lies some issues as well. I think. Okay, so let's talk about that. So that was one of the main things that I talked to you about coming on right. and talking about because Mike and I have had this discussion and right. I think it it encompasses a huge amount of of different variables that yes. happen within people's lives. Yes. And we're not just talking about elderly people, just in general, people with disease, people that have had massive accidents. accidents. Yeah. You know, right. I mean, we obviously right. Mike knows so many people that have had, you know, trauma related stuff that's affected them physically, mentally, you know, from, from combat or all other things. I mean, there's a, there's a ton right. of different scenarios mm -hmm. that this falls into. So not just specifically talking about the elderly, but there's this big debate, I think in the United States about assisted suicide mm -hmm. and about, or euthanasia or whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, and you know, this is a very scary topic to talk about, I think, because well, dying of, is a scary topic. It is right. And it's, it's a reason we, we don't, don't want to talk none of about us it, wanna, but we're all going to, it's going to happen to all. Yeah. It's a guarantee, right? Death and taxes. Yeah. Um, Death and taxes. I, I, you know, I like to get into this discussion because it is hard to talk about, but you know, I'm of the belief myself that the reason this is a scary topic is because of what you spoke about, which is a lot of times you have a situation where people are making decisions for people that maybe aren't truly informed or aren't well, not well connected to the individual. Or misguided. Very, very much so, right? <laughs> misguided. And, and you guys know if, if we lived in a world where everybody could just do the right thing, a lot of these topics we're talking about wouldn't even exist. That's correct. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people making really poor decisions for the wrong reasons, and that's what causes some of these these back and forth conversations. So tell tell Mike and I, Mom, how do you feel about you know seeing a lot of end-of-life scenarios mm -hmm. in your career and throughout the time that you've been doing what you've done? You know, what is your position on the assisted suicide situation and what are the potential pitfalls that we need to be very careful of if this conversation continues to get more serious and there's more, you know, what, how do we make sure that yeah. people aren't making the wrong decisions for the wrong reasons? Well, I told you, I think if you would have asked me this 30 years ago, I would have had a different answer. But after seeing what I've seen in the past 40 years as a nurse, I have seen a lot of dysfunctional families. And I, I do know that if, if assisted suicide could simply be between the person, myself, and my physician, and who is not related to me, and a physician who specializes in whatever disorder I have. Mm -hmm. So if, if I, an oncologist or a, somebody who specializes in ALS, or, mm. and, and those three people could make that decision, I would say we should have the right to make that decision. Okay. However... I think you start getting into all the outside noise. Mm -hmm. And I think I've seen way too many families that probably would have said, 
yep, we want, you know, we, we think mom, mom doesn't have any quality of life. We think mom should, there should be, you know, assisted suicide because they want their money. Okay. So I've seen a lot of misguided mm. families. I've mm. seen, I've seen many, 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 many over, it, it would astound you. People that don't want to be bothered. Mom's taking their inheritance by paying the nursing home because the nursing Ugh. home's expensive. And so if we can get rid of mom, you know, we can, we can actually, we can actually get that money. Right. So that's a problem. Yeah. And I think, um, and then I think the other thing is we're, as we've all seen, the government's going to get involved, right? Yeah. Because right now the government's making healthcare decisions for right? For women, yep. for transgender children, right? So if the government gets involved, then I think there's a danger of, well, these diagnoses should, they these people with these diagnoses should have euthanasia options because they're costing us too much Medicare money, right? So yeah, it becomes a financial decision, becomes a financial versus, decision versus a business decision versus a, uh, versus a, right. a life, a human being decision. Exactly. Right. And so, like I say, if I, if somebody would say, do I believe in assisted suicide? I think every person has a right to make their decisions at their end of life. Uh, every single person. And as if they're you know, capable, right? If, if, they're, they're capable. if they're capable. I mean, as, as I've told you with my own father, he wants nothing done. He wants, I mean, he's told me a thousand times. My mother did the same thing. Um, you know, if I have a terminal illness, I don't want to know it. I don't want to treat it. I, I want nothing done except pain control. We should all have that option. However, I don't think that in this country right now, the way that we are, we can have assisted suicide with only the patient and the two doctors. I think there should always be two doctors. I'll tell you why. One should be okay. a specialist in the in the thing that's causing the terminal illness, sure. and one should be the family doctor. So, so, so the one who's the specialist should be able to say this is reco it's recoverable or not. Exactly. Okay. I yes. think you need the specialist. I think you need the family practice doctor who's treated that person for years, and then I think you need the specialist say, hey, now wait a minute, we have a new treatment. You you might qualify for a you know, um, yeah, some experimental Somebody, treatment. Again, experimental or so, yeah. treatment. Thank you. No, no, yeah. So that's why I think there should be two. I don't think either one should be related to keep out any um, possible misguided choices. And um, and if if you could keep it between those three people, and that person is of sound mind, never, ever, ever do I think a durable power of attorney or a guardian should be able to make that decision for somebody. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean I that's my personal opinion. I just think there's too many um, there's too many variables there. Um, guardians are usually appointed um, by the court. They are always appointed by the court, but it's usually for either a disabled child or um, an adult. Sometimes mental illness. You'll see mentally ill people with guardians. Those people can't make any of their own decisions. So what if that guardian decides? You know, I'm just tired of this, and I just yeah. don't think they have any quality of life. And okay, I don't think that's their place to make that. It has to be made by the person themselves yeah, in my yeah. opinion I, I was i was guardian for my aunt for the last five years of her life and yeah. i knew exactly what she wanted because yes. she told me every single day yeah absolutely and she told me every day so she was she was mentally handicapped yes. yeah. um, her entire life right and so my uncles had been taking care of her and then when i was old right. enough um and had you know a life yeah you know right. they, they they put it they asked me and i said absolutely yeah and so and she 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 lived her life um, I, I didn't live with her. She didn't live with me. Um, we lived 45 minutes away, whatever it was, but I was always around and she made, she told me what she wanted. And those are the kinds of decisions I made when she passed. It was natural and it, there was no, right. there was no, uh, consternation, right. or no, no, right. no fire drill or anything like that. But that, that was a, a to me, a relatively simple Right. Process. And sometimes they're much more complicated. Yes, I know. Yeah. Unfortunately, so, sometimes the guardians that are appointed really don't even know the person that well. Yeah. You know, because yeah, they go through the court system and, and nobody maybe wants to be the guardian. So then a guardian is appointed. And in that case, they don't know their wishes. True. And yeah. so I think it always has to be the person themselves. Yeah, I think I think this brings up a really interesting point, because I think for me, there's this this barrier because a lot of people who will make it to this point where maybe this discussion of, of, of uh, easier passing is mm -hmm. viable. Mm -hmm. And at that point, the person is not mentally capable of making the decision. Is there something we can put in place, mom, where you could go through this consultation while you are of sound mind, kind of like an organ donor, right? It's like, I can choose to be an organ. Right. Hey, I want to be an organ donor. It's on my driver's, it's on my license. driver's license, right. right? You know, like I'm making it known mm -hmm. that this is something that I'm, I want to do. 
Is there a similar situation or do you feel like that's a viable discussion to say you could make this decision 15 years before you actually get to this point? And I think it is. I think it'd be very similar to advanced directives to say if if in my physician's opinion, I am not, you know, I'm terminal and there's nothing that's going to save me. I don't want I don't want to be resuscitated. I don't I mean, right now we have that with advanced directives with I posts that people fill out. Sure. I think I think if we get to that point. I think that would be the only inviolable way to do it. Yeah, yeah. We, we yeah. both agree, I think, yeah. that there's got to be several boxes yeah. that have to be checked yes. before you would be able For to safety. have a situation yeah. like that come into play. Yes. But I still think that's yes. the scary part to me is that if they lose the opportunity to make their wishes known or they don't have that opportunity with their own family right. or some of those things, right. how do we allow these people to make it known that, hey, if I get to this point and I check all these boxes and I'm just I'm just ready to go, I'm ready to go see my spouse or I'm ready to right. you know make that transition you know, unfortunately, I do feel like, like you, you mentioned it earlier, that change in someone at an elderly age yeah. can happen very quickly. It can. And they, yeah. you know, what if those conversations ever happen? And how do we make sure that we do understand those wishes right. when we have a disconnected family or people that aren't close to the individual? Right, right. That, that I, hope, I hope that we come up with a way that there's an outlet I mean, to, I do, I do to make too, that happen. Because I can tell you as a nurse, and I think any nurse that you would talk to that has practiced for over 10 years would tell you, we have seen things way worse than death. Yeah. Way worse than death. So, and that, that to, to me, I mean, isn't that, that individual's choice? And I, I like your idea of the two physicians, mm-hmm. right? The I do specialists. Too. Yeah. I, I love that idea. But isn't it, I hate to say it this way, isn't it much more humane? Isn't it, isn't it much, isn't it for, for that person, if that's what they want? If it's is, what they want, I, I mean, and, and, they're, and they're suffering from something that is painful. Yes, um, it, yes. It's, you know, they don't have long to live anyway, maybe, yeah. or yeah. something like. I mean, isn't dude, it, dude? Whoever says I want to, I want to die a slow, painful. No, death. nobody does. Nobody. We're all like, nobody hey, I want to die in my sleep, and not yes. know what happens. Exactly. <laughs> right? Right? Nobody, nobody says, oh man, I really yeah. want to suffer. Right? right? Yeah. Nobody yeah. wants that. It, especially don't. if you have lost the quality of life. There's right. just no. But then you bring, you know, for some people, religion comes into play. Sure. I mean, you've got some people that would never consider it because. That's not the natural thing that they believe with their religious beliefs. And so I think it's very individualized and that's why it has to be decided only by that person. Well, and and you've got states with, I mean, so I'm going to read this. So uh, physician assisted suicide, PAS or medical aid in dying is legal in 11 jurisdictions in the United States, California, Colorado, DC, Hawaii, Montana, Maine, New Jersey, New Mexico, Oregon, Vermont, and Washington. However, Mm -hmm. there's all kinds of other statutes in all of those states. Montana's the only one with no law. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. But th- there's all kinds of statutes in those states that prohibit, um, uh, distinguishes the act of medical aid in dying from assisted suicide or mercy killing or constitute suicide. Or So it's you can't do it anyway, even if there's a law in the books that says you can well, with, with physician-assisted suicide. So it's, it's virtually impossible to do. Well, and there's there's also the, the case of uh, the terminally ill patient that says, they see no, there's no hope. Mm-hmm. But then you've got elderly people that I saw many, many times that I just want to die. They're not sick. I mean, they're old and they want to go be, they've lost their children. They've lost their spouses. They've lost their friends. They've lost their mm-hmm. siblings and they just want to die, but they're not terminally ill. So you've got to be careful. Sure. Right. Sure. Because, because there's a difference in a terminally ill patient and a person that just verbalizes, I just, I, I'm tired of living. I don't want to live anymore. I've but, seen people yeah. beg to live and I've seen people beg to die. Wow. But how, know, I mean, yeah. but how often, powerful, yeah. how, how often does that elderly person have to say it day after day after day before, I mean, it's truly what, the, if it's truly what they want. Sometimes they quit eating. Okay. They'll just quit no. eating. But, they, but again, they'll that take turns it into a painful, they'll, yeah. they'll take it on. They'll, I mean, they'll, they'll take it up on themselves. Shut down, right? I've seen people quit eating. Oh. Um, so, I mean, I think. Mike hasn't quit eating, by the there's way. Just, <laughs> there's just, there's just so many variables. <laughs> there's so many variables. Sorry, I had to lighten know. it up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of variables. And, absolutely. And um, it's, it's not fun to, you know, as you see somebody with a slow, painful death, as you said, that's not, that's not fun for anybody. It's not fun for the patient, the families, the caregivers. It's, it's hard. I, I've got one more question. I want to keep, I want to keep this going a little bit. What's the different, what, what do you feel like the difference is or the versus, if you will, the United States and kind of the rest of the, the world? Because I'm just going to say that um, it, physician-assisted suicide is legal in some countries and under certain circumstances, of course. Austria, yep. Belgium, Canada, Germany, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Portugal, Spain, Switzerland, and all six states of Australia. 
So what, what's the, you know, and I don't know the, I, 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 I forgive the ignorance, but I don't know the levels and the different circumstances that have to be sure. there in those, in those. And I don't either. So, okay. I'm so I, I was just kind of wondering, you know, what the, yeah. what the international, you know, kind of view is versus the United States. Right. Know. And I, and I think there's a lot of empathetic and sympathetic caregivers out there that, you know, and I used to remind the staff in buildings all the time, there's a difference in allowing someone to die and assisting somebody to die. And so you can allow somebody to die with dignity and you can allow them to take things into their own hands. But what you can't do is assist that process because that's not legal. Right. So, but there are, you know, if if somebody verbalizes, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to eat anymore. I'm dying. I'm not going to eat. I mean, I, I just think that that's a, that's a distinction people have to make. Yeah. You can allow somebody to die with dignity and do it their way, but what you can't do is assist them by um, taking a doctor's order that says nothing by mouth. Okay, you can't feed them now. You've got a doctor's order that says you can't feed them. I know that that's done sometimes. I was never comfortable with that. I always right. made my staff take orders that said diet is tolerated. If all they can have is two sips of water today because that's the state, that's how sick they are. If they wake up and say, I want to drink a water, I want my staff to give it. Right. If the doctor orders NPO, which means nothing by mouth, um, then you're not allowed to feed them. Hmm. Okay, so that's a di- do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a yeah. difference in yeah. allowing it and assisting it. And wow. so it's an interesting um, definition. Yeah. And so, you know, I think for many nurses, I know we've had over my career, many, many times we've had that MPO conversation. Um, but I've always, I've always told the staff that I've worked with, take an order that says diet is tolerated. If it means two sips today, okay. right. they get two sips today. Right. That's all they want. Sure. You know, yeah. Interesting perspective. Yeah. Very thank interesting. Very yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So we're, so, we're at time. So yeah. okay. I want to tell okay. you, first of all, thank you yes, for doing this. And also, um, and this will make me emotional, but I know that you spent a lot of time helping a lot of people through this yeah. process and having the empathy to actually have some of these discussions yeah. that people don't want to have yeah. and understanding yeah. that it's important that unless yeah. you have seen and been through a lot of these things that nobody, yeah. you know, not very many people have been yeah. through the things that you've been Caregivers. through and seen yeah. kind of like Mike, you know, that's why I respect yeah. these positions. You don't know unless you've been there yeah. and yeah. it gives you a totally different outlook and it perspective does. on the situation. Right. So yes, I, I really appreciate yeah. first of all, the, the passionate which well, you did your you. job and did yeah. it well. Um, but also coming and sharing some of this yeah. stuff because I think it is hard for people to talk about. It, it is. Um, it and is. I think a lot of more people, like you said, we're all going to die. Yeah. And so we're all going to have to have some conversations like this at some we point are. with some family members. Better to have them now than later. And people that, with and people I, you trust. Yep. You know, yep. people you trust. Yep. That's, that's the message that's, I want to send people with is have the conversation. Yeah. Right? Have the conversation. Understand the, conversation. the wishes. Sooner, right? sooner rather than later. Have and, the conversation. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, you guys, it doesn't have to be the the children the grandchildren have the elderly folks need to to voice their opinion as well 100%. they can be around about it and not feel like they're burdening people or they're 100%. taking you know I, I understand it's hard but have the conversation let your wishes be known yeah. And just give yourself that peace of mind that when, when and yeah. if that time comes or if and when, right, you, you feel comfortable that yeah. somebody knows your wishes. That's so 100%, I think that's a huge, 100%. huge deal. I mean, so I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. 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 The allow versus assist. Yeah. What a great, what yeah. a great I mean, piece, I, so. I always, through my whole career, I, that was always my, are you, you allow or are you assisting? I mean, there's a difference. Yeah. So, Huge difference. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so thank much you so for coming on and doing this. Yeah, we appreciate so it. Um, Thanks we're for gonna, having me. We'll take, yeah, a, we'll, we'll take a break and uh, we'll, we'll be back with our thoughts. And uh, okay. that was great. Right. Right. That was a great discussion. A lot, a lot to thank think you. about. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. yeah. My mind's thank blown. You. All right. Thank you. back wow huh, right yeah what'd you think of that man holy... first time you met my mom right? yeah I, your mom's awesome yeah like, first and foremost she's awesome yeah she's uh she's been, she's a hard worker man she's always been really passionate about her job yeah and, I mean, and it... she was a good example for me you know as was my father of work ethic and some mm-hmm. of those things so i appreciate that but i think you can tell man like her level of passion just in that discussion yeah i mean what she's done she, she did it for 40 years yeah right? it's very evident that she did it for 40 years she loved it she's passionate about it yeah and she definitely has an opinion she does, yeah. Like, like, yeah. She, like she's seen enough, and and you know, off camera, she said some of the things that she's had to deal with, and she yeah. even said it on camera. Like, yeah, it's not, you know, what did she say on camera? Oh, she's dude, seen my, stuff my heart, in life heart worse than, than than death. Yeah, right. Yeah, my heart breaks hearing some yeah. of those things, and and you, you know, it, it's almost hard for me to fathom like someone not being comfortable to go through this discussion with their elderly parents or grandparents or family. You have to, because Mike, like. 
like like we said, you know, when we were talking to my mom, is we're all going to get there. Yeah, it's a hundred percent certainty, bro. Yeah. There's no, there's, it's we don't know when, we don't know how it's going to happen, but like, dude, it's happening. You know, it's 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 not funny. It's fun. It's odd or, or whatever it is. I I have this. I've had this conversation with like two people in my life. Okay, right. And my parents are gone. I don't have right. any siblings. I'm an only child. I mean, of course, you stop with perfect. <laughs> you stop with perfection, right? <laughs> oh Jesus um, Christ! So <laughs> I hope that sounds like a vomit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, you know, my mom died when I was little. My dad passed away in 08. Yeah, you know? yeah, sure. Um, yeah, you, I've, yeah. T- I've got an uncle. Or, I've got an uncle or two and a cousin or two. Right, like right. I don't have to deal with any of this. Right. And I don't know, does that make me lucky or fortunate or does that make me, or does that just mean I missed out on wow. decades of years of being with, you know, relatives, loved ones, etc. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't have an answer to that question, but I sit here and I listen to you and your mom talk about your grandfather, right? Yeah. Who's 93 yeah. and he's, uh, and he's doing well. And he's of sound mind, and you have you've told me great memories you had you've had yeah. with him in the past, fishing particularly, right? Absolutely, yeah, right. Like, yeah, so, my, my grandpa's taking me trout fishing. Exactly, I was a kid, right? right? Yeah. So, so I just wonder, like, did I did I miss, or am I lucky because I don't have to deal with what inevitably is going to happen anyway? You know what the answer is to that question, Mike? I don't know. Both. Yeah. True. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you're there's definitely so much difficulty. I think when you and and honestly, man, I think it's sad. And and your situation, you know, you have a unique set of circumstances where it, it wasn't necessarily choices that led to that. No, right? No. There was a lot of things that happened, and then here you are, right? Yeah. And and dude, that that spans way on beyond our understanding, right? But it's hard, man, as we get older for our families to stay together, I think because of this, because it gets really difficult, dude, because you're watching people that you love sometimes go through terrible suffering and just, just watching, you know, dude, I experienced it with, you know, my dad and I just got back from Canada. We had an awesome trip up there. It was freaking great. Couple buddies. Yeah. Yeah. Photoshop. Come on, (laughs) come on. You know, it's great though. It's one of the guys that went, you know, he's, he's, he's the reason that we've had so many great opportunities to make some of those memories. The guys understands, you know, some of the aspects of, of the water up there and things great level awesome to learn from anyway so cool to get my dad up there but obviously dude i realized too he's kind of this point of going i'm not going to be able to do as many of these things as i once did so let's knock it out and and you have to i have to sit there and start to Mm -hmm. mentally prepare myself that hey my dad's getting older i'm getting older my mom's getting older you know obviously my grandpa's 93 there's a there's a point yeah. And that's just reality. It's yeah. reality for all of us. Yeah. And so even though it's hard to talk about and even though it's emotional, yeah. it needs to be talked about. It has man. to be. It's, it's another interesting aspect of what I heard your mom say was that families before, while the person's still living, are circling, kind of looking for the money. So now I was oh, in financial services geez. for 14 years and I dealt with estate, you know, yeah. estate claims and what have you. And, we, you know, life insurance selling through, you know, estates and estate planning and what have you um, and trusts. And and I know what happened after I, I've been there in settlement meetings sure. like when people were like, well, how much am I getting? Yeah. Right. But I didn't realize it happened before. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that's insane to me. Absolutely. That, those are bad human beings, if you it's, ask me. It sucks, dude. It sucks to think that that's the world that we live in. And, and we're going to get more into that estate discussion, which will tie into some of this. Uh, I mentioned my good friend, Matt McQuillan. Yeah. Uh, you know, Matt's an attorney, did a lot of estate, you know, related work in his time and his yeah. career. He's also a tremendous conservationist and a guy that's right. contributed a ton to our, our local conservation efforts here. You know, uh, it's going to be interesting to think about some of those aspects that, that Cindy, my mom, you know, brought to the discussion mm-hmm. versus how did Matt see that from a legal perspective? True. And what True, did yeah. he see yeah. of, of families, you know, and how do they dealt with that situation before and after, right? Because right. these guys have seen stuff, man, that again, I, how do you prepare yourself for that? How do you even prepare yourself for that discussion? But Mike, we can because we know it's going to happen. And if you just, we you know, so, you know, if you just take the step and start talking, just talk about it. it I mean, yeah, it Make might your not, wishes it's not, known. it's not going to go as, as, as a, it's not going to be scripted. It's not going to go perfectly, but it's going to go. Right. And that has to happen. Right. Dude, it's hard to talk about and nobody likes to, it's not a happy discussion. Yeah. It, it's not, but so, it's gotta be had, man. And you gotta make your wishes known. I think that's, that, that yeah. was the message I took away from all this. Like, dude, have the conversation. Yep. Cause if you don't, how does anybody even know how to follow through with your wishes? And that's, that's before death, after death, any of that stuff. Yeah. Right. Because what happens, man, is, you know, I, I have a case of dimension set in, I can't make my own decisions. What if nobody knows, what if nobody knows my plan or yeah. my goals or yeah. uh, dude, I'm, I'm trying to, I want yeah. some of my legacy to live on. I feel like I'm in a very fortunate human being. 
I got to make sure, dude, I'm planning correctly because yeah. yeah. we, we're tomorrow's promise to no one. I agree. I agree. So I, I'm going to take a little left turn here. Oh boy. Because I was, I, I wrote this, the, I wrote golf? this note. No. Okay. <laughs> no. Just making sure. <laughs> I wrote this note while, while, while we were talking with your, with your mother. Okay. Um, and I, and I just, it just got me to thinking and it's, maybe this is the libertarian mind of mine kind of go in overdrive. Am I going to cry right now? No, no, no. no okay. No, I got no, teary no. there for a no. second. Go um, ahead. Is the, is the desire to die a right? Wow. Um, I think it is. I think it should be, or it is, but, mm. but, the, the, but I want to hear your answer. Wow. Oh gosh, man, this is a hard one. Um, the, the only thing that keeps popping into my mind is, you know, the, the decision to die is an obligation. Okay. I, I don't know. I, I like, dude, it's going to happen. It's a hundred percent guarantee. It's going to happen, but if you're in a, if you it, you mean to choose to like accelerate that situation, correct. maybe and, or and, and, and I'm not talking about because you'd had a bad day, right? I'm not talking about that's, because that's kind of where I because, stopped, because, right? Because now the, I'm like we're on a fine line right, between not, like not a, because your business failed or not because you got divorced or not yeah. because something tragic happened in your life, but you're at the, you're toward the end. You've got a terminal illness or yeah. you the pain is so much. Right, is, is the desire to die a, a, an individual right? That's the hard part, man. I feel like if you are in a situation of self-pity, you have to be very careful yeah, about I that agreed. situation, agreed. right? Because it's suicide, bro. Agreed. agreed. And, and I think you and I both have had experiences ourselves and had people that are close to us that yes. have gone through experiences where that thought crossed their mind or they thought, dude, this is never going to get any worse. And then they bounce back. Okay. And you saw those okay. lives change, okay. right? Yeah. And you saw positive things come from those, those situations where what if? What yeah. if, what if they would have just made the choice? Right. And, and cause you can't take it back, man. You can't take it. No, back. that's one thing you can't and, take back. And what are you going to miss out on over those next potential 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of your life? Oh, okay. But, but, but again, like what if what you're going to miss out on is six months of excruciating pain? Absolutely. Fucking lutely. It okay. should be a right. Okay. But there's, I hope but, I made that clarification. Has, but, that was important to yeah, me. Yeah, to the, but, the, but there has to be a line, right? Yeah, I mean, look, dude, if you are terminally ill and you are living in pain and your quality of life has is so poor that you have just said, hey, dude, I know I'm ready. And again, yeah. I think my mom made the example of you've lost all your children because you've lived to be such an elderly age. Like, dude, the people that live to be 105, man, you got to understand their kids are dead. Yeah, their grandkids are dead. They're, they're alone, yeah, right? And it's like, cases. so when does, and again, man, I've not had that experience myself. I've never walked in those shoes. Obviously, I'm not that, I'm not, I haven't made it to that age. I'm pretty confident I probably won't. But, yeah. but, but you know, man, I, I, I think about my grandfather, you know, what experiences and what memories has he been able to compile where if, when my grandmother passed, he's like, dude, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. Like, so, so again, just fully understanding yeah. and fully being aware. I think if it's an option, man, it's almost, it's a little bit scary to think about the fact that that would be a very intense wrong decision. Okay. For a lot of people. Okay. I agree. In some cases. I, I agree right? with you. I agree. Um, when someone passes, you know, I, I'll tell you what I do. And I'll, I'll ask you what, what you goes through your head. Yeah. When you hear that someone passes, a lot of times it's accompanied by how old were they? Or what right. were the circumstances, right? Yeah. And if I hear it just, again, this is opinion and I might get shellacked for this. I hope you do. Right. But like if they're 75-ish. Right. Like my, my response is typically, well, they lived a good life. They lived a good long life. Sure. Right. That's, yeah, that's I like, agree. it's not a response as much as it is a thought in my head. But yeah. I hear someone who's 50 or 55 and I'm like, that's way too young. Right. Like my dad went at 62. That's way too young. Yeah. I, I, agree. I thought that was way too young. Yeah. Right. So I don't know where that cutoff is in my head. Maybe it's 70. Maybe it's 70. I, I don't it know. Probably where that changes is. as you get older. It, it, it probably does. Don't you think? And, and or the, the circumstances around that passing, I think influence that as well. Agreed. Right. Like if, if they were, if they were 72 and had a terminal illness, like, and they, you know, and they went, well, what did they get to do before they, what, they owned a business or they had a right. great family or they love sports or whatever? Like they lived a good life. I, right. I, I kind of equate that. So who determines whether or not they lived the great life? Who legislates that? I think only the person that lived it. Okay. So if, if you can't, if you, if someone is in a, a certain set of circumstances, terminal yeah. illness, again, I fucking love where you're going pain, with this. All I love this where stuff, you're going with this. Who the hell, who are, who, who's a state legislator to tell me I can or can't? They can't. They can't. No, that's why government shouldn't be involved in healthcare. They should not. All right, man. That was, uh, that was that, an I intense. Mean, that's, 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 that's just where my head goes. I mean, dude, I love it. And, and look, 
continue to, to preach this and not to beat a dead horse, but uh, the point of this is, you know, have the conversations yes. and remember that tomorrow's promise to no one yes. live every day, understanding that we don't know, man, we don't know. And we, I think it's easy for me, especially to I'm 41. I put some of these things off, man. I took too long to get some of my estate planning done. You know, like yeah. I tend to procrastinate on some of these things thinking I got time. Oh yeah. I got time. And it's not going to happen no, to me. Dude, we don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We don't know. So don't wait. Right. Yeah. Don't wait to have the conversation. Don't wait to tell mom and dad get to the point where you have to have the conversation and maybe that day never comes. That's right. So have That's it right. and just talk about yep. it and understand and be willing to listen. And Mike, you hit the nail on the head. When you have that conversation, understand that the individual who has lived that life should be able to make your, their your own mother decisions. hit that nail on the head when she Nailed said it. they people talk around them yes. when that person needs to be the centerpiece and involved absolutely yeah. that was a great yeah. great yeah, thing to bring up in yep. this discussion and honestly man something that hit me hard like i you know again it's, yeah. it's not not intentional or malicious but like oh my gosh i've yeah. not really thought about it that yeah. way it kind of gives you that aha moment yeah. of this is why these discussions are important it to does. have and why it we re- need to have candid conversations it, it really right? candid conversations that's 100 percent correct yeah right? Yeah, um, God, that I was did, a hard one, kind did, of. Yeah, that was just, death, a little. Death sucks to talk about, dude. You know, we yeah. all we all have trauma with death. I yep. think every single person I know and everybody handles it differently. Absolutely, they do. And and you kind of said, man, when you hear somebody passes away, and I think this is where I want to leave it. It's like, you know, I don't look at death. I, I think I have an interesting viewpoint of it from the standpoint that I I truly believe through some of my own experiences that people who pass before us they're still around. Their spirits are around. I don't yeah. know how or exactly what that looks like, and I can't you know make turn it into some tangible thing. But I've had enough crazy experiences to believe that that's the truth. So that uh, when I hear of somebody's passing that I have really good memories of, dude, I try to make a point to really stop and think and remember clearly some of those really positive memories or positive impacts that somebody's had on my life or other people's lives that I've been able to witness. And what better legacy can you leave than that, my man? I'm not sure you can. That's what I want to leave. I hope yeah. somebody has those thoughts and goes like, man, I'm glad, even though this guy was an asshole, I'm glad he did that one yeah. thing. <laughs> great, I mean, great, great conversation. It was great, dude. I loved it. it yeah. Great conversation. And what I'll say to, 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 you know, to the folks watching and listening is, you know, we, we, we have gone on and on on these podcasts about have those conversations. We talk about candid conversations. We talk about question everything, right? Yeah. We, we say, hey, have the conversation with your neighbors, with your family, with your friends, right? Um, we want you to get to, to have these kinds of political conversations, these, you right. know, touchy conversations, some of the stuff that's uncomfortable, this stuff, what we talked about today, and care, you know, later in life, yeah. and, 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 you know, what, what pertains to all of that, it's not a conversation we want you to have. That's a conversation you have to have. Absolutely, dude. Great way to say it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Gina brought up a great point. So uh, we do want to give a shout out to all the nurses working in long-term care facilities, yes, hospice, um, so many of the healthcare folks that that live and work and breathe like my mom did for forty, almost forty years of her career yeah. in in a difficult industry like long-term healthcare. It's a it's a it's a yeah. tough one, right? It's a tough one, and there's a lot of traumatic things that people deal with, and a lot of things that. You know, you could tell my mom was holding back some things in the oh, discussion. Yeah. You could tell oh, yeah. she's seen a lot, right? And I think that there's, you know, where's the person that has empathy for some of the things that she's witnessed, right? Unless you've been through that and you are a nurse or you've lived that same type of experience, it's really difficult sometimes to understand. And and that's another thing, man. If there's trauma there from that side of this is just like kind of what we talked about in our previous podcast with Brian. Talk about it. Yeah. Create an open line of communication, yeah. right? There's 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 two sides of that discussion that we didn't even kind of get into the yeah. the the workers themselves. There's a lot of trauma there too, man. Yeah, so what, like, they're, what they're dealing talk with. About it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they see yeah. a lot, right? Yep. So um, so anyway, thank you to all those folks. Indeed. Um and I hope that there's a few of those people out there watching this because I yeah. think this was a great discussion. And I'm sure we'll if they if there are, we'll get a lot of, of feedback, feedback on this as well. I hope so. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. Carter. Yeah, we'll see you again soon. Right. Thanks, brother. Thanks. Just to start somewhere. It has to start sometime. What better place than here? What better time than now?